Welcome to the All Things Bright and Beautiful podcast. I'm Jenna DePrima here with my co-host Lydia Shibley, and this is a discussion of life, books, and theology from a confessionally reformed Christian perspective. Welcome back to All Things Bright and Beautiful. Today we are joined by a special guest. We have Aaron Wheeler here with us. And Aaron has written a book that I think just came out recently. Is that right, Aaron? It just came out yeah. in the last few months. Yes, and in March. It, in March, okay, yes. And it is called The Church, Delighting in the Doctrine of the Church. And it is part of the Good Portion series. And it is published by Christian Focus Publications. And as we said, it just came out in 2022. Um, and just to tell you a little bit more about Aaron, Aaron is married to Brad, and Brad is the lead pastor at University Baptist Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, they have four children and she works part-time as a nurse and also, I think, speaks occasionally and writes as well. Um, so Erin, thank you so much for joining us. Can you just share with us a little bit more about yourself and about your family? Yeah, I'm a labor and delivery nurse, so I love to catch the babies and help Aww. the moms. So <laughs> it's a wonderful, of all the nursing things I've done along the way, this one's one of my favorites. And we have four children. We have two in college. We just launched one, another one. She just started last week. So yes, halfway through the launch process here. <laughs> it's been good. Yeah, but they're, um, I can't complain. They're both here in town at the University of Arkansas. So oh, nice. I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah. Um, they have to stop by occasionally for things already. We've already had a lot, <laughs> load of laundry, a couple loads of laundry being done here. So it's good. And then I have two more. I have a senior in high school. That's our one boy. Okay. And then we have a sophomore um, in high school and that's our, our third girl. So okay. it's just a delight to be their mom. Yeah. Wonderful. So what led you to write this book? And also we would love to hear a little bit more about the good portion series. I, I, as I said, this book is part of that. And so can you just tell us a little bit more about what led you to write this book? And then also just a little bit more about the vision mm-hmm. for the series. Yeah. The, the editor behind it, you interviewed earlier, yes. I know, yep. in, a, in your series here, uh, Carrie Fulmer. Mm-hmm. So Carrie and I met back in um, our Capitol Hill Baptist day. So we're both from that area. We're kind of brought up in the faith a little bit in that area. Okay. And uh, so we've kept in contact as pastor's wives and as friends and as writers. And she had reached out to me uh, to do this project. And what it is, is that there are 10 books in a series and it's their books on doctrine. And it's trying to reach the audience of a woman who wouldn't necessarily pick up a systematic theology. Mm -hmm. I mean, Burkhoff's great. You know, you're going to love it, but you got to plow through that thing. And if you've got, if you're a nursing mom, you're a working woman, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to have time to, to do those kind of things. So how can we access that part of a woman's mind Um, but in a way that's going to cause them to delight in those doctrines, not just feel overwhelmed and burdened by having Mm -hmm. to study them. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's not to say that men can't read these books. It's just we're written with the target audience is written with with a woman in mind. So Mm -hmm. if you probably noticed, I write about um, nursing. I mean, Mm -hmm. breastfeeding. And in scripture, it talks about breastfeeding in scripture. But um, I just write it in such a way that a woman would understand it um, in a different kind of a way to mm-hmm. illustrate what it looks like to be a body of believers, for example. Gotcha. And so this series is really, uh, the goal is, uh, desiring to get women to delight in the things of God, hmm. because there's a lot, you can read scripture, but when you actually look at who the character of who God is, so Jenny Manley's book, um, on the doctrine of Christ, I mean, when you think about what the incarnation meant for us as women, 
it's just amazing. And the fact that who did he go to first when he came out of the tomb was to women mm-hmm. to show that he broke all the barriers. Mm-hmm. And um, that when you realize what that means for us as women, it just, you want to sing to the mm-hmm. Lord in with all your soul. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going for in these books. So if you haven't, if your listeners haven't gotten hold of them, we really encourage them. They're, um, you don't, you don't see them around a lot. So we're trying to share a little mm-hmm. bit more about them because we do think they're um, a wonderful resource for, mm-hmm. for women. And, you know, something kind of cool about it too. This is just a random, <laughs> but um, uh, so far I am the only American writer right now. Like I know oh, wow, Carrie's cool. American, but she's just not living in the States. So right. I am all, the only one so far that's residing in the States. Hmm. Now there are a couple more that are coming out, but I was like, Hey, I'm the first one who's living in the U S to write for the series, which in and of itself leads to different illustrations and applications, Mm -hmm. which I think make it all the more beautiful because the Mm -hmm. gospel is not American. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's just a wonderful thing. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love the vision for the series and and I can definitely attest to reading it. I felt like it was very accessible and would be a great book to go through if you're, you know, discipling someone or you're meeting Mm -hmm. with someone um, or you yourself want to understand the church better. It's definitely very accessible and um, I think pretty, but also exhaust, pretty exhaustive. So Mm -hmm. I I think it is a great, it is a great resource. So thank you for, for writing it. Yeah. So you, uh, you quoted Ligon Duncan. Did I say his name right? I never say it that's right. right. Yeah, Ligon, right? that's right. <laughs> um, in your, in the very first chapter saying that ecclesiology is indisputably, there's a lot of big words in this, one of evangelicalism's greatest weaknesses in part because of subjectivism, individualism, and pragmatism. Um, and just kind of like what you were saying of who your target our audience is for this, women will be influenced by all those things in our culture. And so you, you kind of go straight in. Um, but what are, what are you, some of the ways that you see churches being affected by these things and maybe even individual women, how, what, what did you have in mind as you were writing that? I think what, when the project first started, when I first signed the contract for the book, it was before COVID. So what's super interesting is to have started this project pre-COVID and thinking, yeah, I'm really excited to write about this because I'm super passionate about getting the doctrine of the church into the hands of all Christians. Mm -hmm. And, but then when COVID hit, it was this big discussion piece of virtual church and Mm -hmm. what is church? I mean, I don't know how many times I saw, saw articles coming out, like what is quote church Right. and what I think Ligon, what Dr. Duncan is saying there is that so much of it comes in, that subjectivism, individualism, it's the me first mentality. And you Mm. saw that explode during COVID because it was the, I like being at home on my couch, Mm -hmm. having access to all of those freedoms and privileges of the gathered body without really having to bother Mm -hmm. with the body itself, Mm -hmm. divorcing basically like dismembering the body in and of itself. And I think we just, somewhere along the way, that doctrine got missed um, as these people were going about their business with life because it was so much easier because by nature we're selfish. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's just, we were created to be inward and not outward focused and not created, I shouldn't say, not originally, I should say mm-hmm. because of the fall, we are more inward than outward. Right. Let me correct that theologically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a consumeristic mentality for all the things that we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- understanding that the church is about we and not mm-hmm. about um, a me, 
Mm -hmm. That's the the little phrase I use. It's a we, not a me. Mm -hmm. So we're very important, but it's not, it's not, it's private, but it's personal, but it's not private. We are Mm -hmm. meant to be doing life together. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what Dr. Duncan is getting at with that quote that Mm -hmm. I love so much. Mm-hmm. I think that I've, I've spoken with a couple different like brand new moms who've talked about sort of I, that same sort of thing of like, well, it's much easier for me to be at home with my baby that needs to take a nap and I don't have to walk out of the service when my baby fusses. I'm just like at home and it's comfortable. Um, so I think that that, I mean, on for for everyone that we saw in COVID that affects everyone. But I think for young moms, especially just being reminded like, you need to be here physically, even, even if it means you're getting up and walking out during yeah, the sermon. I mean, sermon I just think about what a blessing it is when a young mom walks out with her fussy baby to go walk the halls. And let's just say the church has the privilege of having the, the sermon or the prayer, wherever they are, the music piped into the foyer, or they even have a nursing mom's room who has access mm-hmm. to that. But you know how it is. If the baby's screeching, there's only so much you're, you're actually going to be able anything. to hear. Sure. Yeah. And I understand that. I have had four babies in church. <laughs> and I will tell you, we were doing revitalization at the time, so there was no nursery. So having to do that, those were lean years. Mm-hmm. But it was worth it for me to be there physically as an example to the other brothers and sisters in the body, because Mm -hmm. oftentimes I would have a sister in Christ who would come and grab the baby for me for a little bit and say, Hey, why don't you go sit in there for a little bit? And I'm going to hold this baby. It's the way we serve one another. It is literally being that family for each other. Mm -hmm. So the mom is not the only caregiver for that child, right? Mm -hmm. There's a mother, there's a father. So now if you're a pastor's wife, it becomes a little more tricky on those fronts. Obviously if he's up there, (laughs) you know, Preaching, it's kind of hard for him to be able to hold the baby and whatnot. But there are other brothers and sisters who can. And the conversations, like the spiritually edifying conversations that happen in passing. Now, hard things happen at church too. We all know that. Somebody can say something like, you're not doing that right with your baby or whatever. And you just feel Mm -hmm. like it's so hard to be here. But I do believe that Satan loves to highlight those and diminish the good that happens by Mm -hmm. making that sacrifice to be with the body. Mm -hmm. It is worth that sacrifice. And it may not feel like it, but it's kind of like eating your vegetables don't always taste great. But 10 years from now, you're going to be really happy about those cruciferous. You know, those are good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a great word. And I think, you know, I, I wrestled with this some with young children. And one thing that helped me was, and I don't say this at all to minimize the importance of preaching, but that in those moments when you're just not going to hear a lot of the preaching, you you still need the fellowship of the body. You still need, as you said, them to help you, you Mm -hmm. need to help them. So there's, there's so many reasons to be there in -hmm. addition to the preaching. So I understand if if a mom feels like, well, I'm not hearing the preaching. So what's the point? But like, there's just so many other important reasons. So kind of along the vein of what we were just talking about, you bring up in your book that church is not a place where people are supposed to be entertained, that that's not the purpose of church, right? So what would you say the purpose of church is if it's not entertainment? And then also, this is a little bit of a separate question, but I think kind of goes hand in hand. Um, Do you think the church is primarily for the saved, for Christians, or is it primarily for the lost? Well, anytime we want to answer those questions, we always want to use the word of God to help us in all of it. Mm -hmm. And so what's really sweet is literally just yesterday, my husband, Brad preached on numbers chapters three and four, 
do you have any idea what numbers three and four is on? <laughs> Probably not, right? That's one of those books nope. where you're like, where the, we always say where the reading plans go to die. <laughs> but chapters three and four are all uh, on the Levites and the structure of the tabernacle and all of the gatherings and how it's to be done. But what was so beautiful about what Brad helped draw out from that was this description of God's dictating for us how he is to be worshipped. And it's not that we are supposed to create something. He actually gives us instructions in his word, even back in numbers, as a precursor to what it would be like when the new covenant comes in through Christ. So yes, it doesn't abolish the law, right? He came to fulfill it. And so what does that fulfillment look like? And we look at Acts and we look at the early church and we look at how Paul wrote some of those letters to the churches to be able to give us understanding um, as to how we are to gather And the gathering was for the body of believers to be edified, to be encouraged. You even think about um, what the elders' jobs is to do is to oversee the flock that is among them. If they're not there, they're not among. And it goes back to what we were just talking about, about actually being physically present so they can be seen Mm -hmm. and watched over and cared for by Mm -hmm. those elders and by those leaders. And um, when we are when we do gather, he gives us very specific things as to what we are supposed to do. When you look at Acts, they were reading the word together. They were singing the word together. They are praying the word together. The word is central in all of the gathering. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the focus. And so is the point for the non-Christian or the Christian? Well, the church is the body believers. The ch- we talk about church. I mean, that, there's a building where the church gathers. That's not the church. You know, we, we talk about this, but it's worth repeating that the church actually is people. It's not a place. Mm-hmm. And so if we think about it like that, what is the church supposed to do? Well, the church is for Christians because the church is Christians. It's people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the gathered body is to edify the saints, to build them up for the ministry of the work that they're supposed to be doing throughout the week. Now, when a non-Christian comes in, it is for them too, because what they're seeing is the gospel on display. They're watching. It's like a show and tell event. Mm-hmm. Um, they're seeing the, the, the word, and then they're actually watching it being played out. If especially if there's baptism or the Lord's Supper, there's uh, a visual representation that they're being given mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And so it's not evangelistic event, but by nature, it's evangelistic, Mm -hmm. but it's not a rally. This isn't a whoop them up. This isn't, we're not coming here to have some sort of like dance party to make it, you know, attractional. Now we should not be unattractive. Now Mm -hmm. that's not to say that we should be boring and unedifying. I mean, the saints need to be edified. And a lot of that means that we need to be able to be attractional in that sense. There should be a natural joy of the Lord that mm-hmm. is exuded out from us that would draw the non-Christian and edify the poor weary mom in the hallway mm-hmm. holding the, the baby who might be crying for the hundredth mm-hmm. time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was, I was thinking a bit about this, this week of just sort of the, the place that we put church. And I think in, in that same sense of like, we often think about it as being entertainment. And like you said, it's not, but we have sort of this consumer mindset about the church of the churches for, well, I really liked the music and it made me feel a certain way or that, that really appealed to me. Um, and so there's this very like me centered way that we approach it as opposed to this is about worshiping God. And we come in, in a way it should be, this is central to our lives and the rest of the week leads up to this Sunday. Yes. Of, this is what we'll do for eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, how, I guess, how would you maybe 
encourage people to think about, if you think about your, your whole life and then you think about the church, how should people be thinking about where the church fits in? Uh, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the church has to be central to all things. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, take our kids, for example. They both decided, both our girls ended up at the University of Arkansas. They have both made professions of faith. They've been baptized and brought into membership at the at, at University Baptist Church, which is such a joy and such a delight. That doesn't always, you know, as parents, we know that that's not a given. So we are super thankful for that. But let's just say one of these kids of ours decided that they were going to move away to school and go somewhere else. One of the things that we would encourage them, if they were, you know, professing believers, we would say, okay, let's let's talk about what you want to study and all those things. But the most important thing is that we make sure that there is a local church where you mm-hmm. can join and be a part of that. Mm-hmm. That is primary to mm-hmm. all things. I mean, that goes, I mean, we can talk about the finances, we can talk about distance, but that fundamentally there must be a church where they can be a part mm-hmm. um, and, and immerse themselves in that body life and it should be central to them. So that's like a practical application of, of, of your question, I think, Lydia, yeah. but it's, um, I think what, what happens is it becomes secondary. Now that does mm-hmm. not mean, and I think it's really important to be said that it doesn't mean that you've got to be at every Bible study. It doesn't mean that we got to be legalistic and we're going to break right. our backs to make sure that we're there forever, like we're a part of every life group or every cell group or mm-hmm. every outreach. I'm like, we will, I mean, if we, we'll die on that hill like that. That's <laughs> not going to work either. You know, right. that just becomes fundamentalism gone wrong um, where mm-hmm. we think this is how God is pleased with me. It becomes almost a works-based understanding of church. But I don't think that's what most people are, um, what's the word I'm looking for, in fear of or in in danger of. That's mm-hmm. it. They're, they're not in danger of that. I think most women that we will meet are going to be in danger of making church secondary to other things. Mm-hmm. And moms of children, particularly mid-ages, middle grades and upper grades, please do not put sports above the church. Mm -hmm. I mean, I cannot tell you the number of uh, people who are in my peer group who I just don't see for, they'll be gone for two weeks and they're back for a week and then they're gone for three Mm -hmm. weeks and then they're back for a week, all in the service of sport. And I just think that does the child a great disservice. Mm -hmm. Um, We have athletes in our home. My son wants to be a collegiate athlete. We have a certain number of like Sundays he can miss is kind of how we've set it up. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, you can call that legalism or it's protection. We just, yeah. we, we, we don't want him to forsake the gathering of the body because we know what that does for him spiritually. Yeah. 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 It's a great word. So you talk about discipleship in your book. That's kind of one of the, one of the many things you talk about. And so you describe discipleship as this kind of like vertical relationship with Christ and then alternatively discipling as this, as a horizontal relationship. So we, we are a disciple of Christ vertically and then horizontally we disciple and are discipled by others. So I do, I feel like I've noticed even in my own church at times, there seems to be a lot of confusion about what discipling actually is or what does it look like? What does it mean? You know, and people have different definitions or different ideas of it, or they feel kind of scared of it. I've never seen that done. Mm-hmm. So what, how would you describe discipling and, and also how, what would you say to, you know, young Younger and older women who are listening to this, who maybe want to be involved in discipling, but don't feel like they ever have been, what would you, how would you encourage them? 
I love the question, Jenna. It's big and it's broad. And so I'm going to try and be succinct yes, for it you is. as yes. best I can. <laughs> um, but I, uh, this understanding that first and foremost, we need to make sure that we are prioritizing time in the Word, our own individual time in the Word and in prayer with the Lord Jesus. And when we get time with that, that's that discipleship that we were mm-hmm. talking about. And that's done in the context of a local church body as well, That and sitting under the Word and um, gathering with the saints. But there is where these kind of lines blur between what I call discipleship and discipling. Discipling being that idea of the one-on-one type of time together with another saint. Um, that I think the, the best way to think about what it looks like is how we can encourage one another on our journey towards heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's going to look different for everybody, and it's going to change with every season of life. And women, I would... I would argue, have more seasonal shifts generally than men do, particularly if they become wives and mothers. Now, they may be single, but even single women are going to go through seasonal shifts where their job may require more of them, and they don't have that time to do one-on-one in the same way. I just know what it was like when I had a woman come over to my house, and she would be there and sharing things with me, but my kids were getting older. And all of a sudden, I noticed that the little ears are paying Mm -hmm. a little bit more attention. I'm like, I think we need to hold that conversation for another time. (laughs) And trying to help them understand, okay, so I think I need to flip. This isn't going to be kind of life on life, although that was good. We, I need to carve out time where we can talk about those things that are um, more sensitive for our kids' ears. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's having a broad understanding of how we can do spiritual good in the lives of one another. And that's mm-hmm. going to look different all the time yeah. uh, because it, what I did when my kids were young versus what I do now, I mean, my kids are now, I homeschooled for years. Mm-hmm. And now that my kids are in school, I have these chunks of time during the day where I can meet um, a friend, a sister, um, another church member for coffee, walk, whatever, in order to talk about things of the Lord. Sometimes we're going through a book. Sometimes we're talking through scripture. Sometimes we're reading the passage for Sunday and discussing it. Sometimes we're, it's almost like counseling. You know, there are counseling times, like I'm trying to pour in in a really hard season. Um, there are people who just sort of, you're absorbed into our family for a couple of years and we just try to help you along the way. Mm-hmm. And then it's not like they get the boot after that. It's just that it, it morphs yeah. because you're trying to mm-hmm. move along to help another brother or sister mm-hmm. in Christ. Right. So, yeah, I think that, that what you said about helping one another towards heaven, that, I, that idea is mm-hmm. so helpful because it can be, it, it is broad and it can be, it can look as you said, different. And I think that's where sometimes we can go arise. We think it has to look like meeting in a coffee shop, discussing Mm -hmm. systematic theology for two hours, which that's great (laughs) if you're doing that, but that's just not realistic for Mm -hmm. a lot of women, depending on what season they're in. Yeah. You know, I had a, I have a really sweet friend here who just looked at me the other day and she said, you're always talking about discipling. Do you have like a manual of how to, (laughs) I was like, it doesn't really work like that friend. I said, if you desire to love that sister, well, get, involved in her life in whatever way. Like if she's in the Mm -hmm. car with you, if you're on the phone, I mean, Mm -hmm. there are women who like, I just, our schedules don't match up. So we'll Marco Polo. I mean, I mean, I still think that's doing spiritual good. Yeah, It may, it just doesn't look like it fits in that perfect little puzzle piece that we have 
um, for many of us have conjured up in our minds. Mm -hmm. And there's a really helpful, and you may have even mentioned this in your book, I can't remember, but Mark Dever has a really helpful, his little, just his little book called like Discipling, I think it's called Discipling, yeah, I think that's what it's called, um, was super helpful to me. We've gone through that with different groups at our church. So that book, if you're, if you're wanting to know more, understand more, because you're, you're right, it's such a broad topic. It's, we could do a whole episode just on this, but, uh, but that's a great resource. So just wanted to, yeah. yeah, And a a funny little note there, Jenna, I have a little cameo appearance in there. You'll see. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. That's funny. I've read it two or three times. Yeah. Yeah. But I I always laugh because uh, Jonathan Lehman helped do the editing for that. And he's like, I'm just going to put that in there from your article. I said, yeah, sure, brother. That sounds great. (laughs) So I always laugh when people are talking about discipling just because I love to talk about this topic. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Just one more question before we move on from that one, just because you mentioned how to disciple others, but how would you maybe encourage someone who's wants to be on the receiving end you mm-hmm. just go ask someone mm-hmm. um what, what would no. be the way to go about that that's oh it's such a good question i do i think you just go and ask i think you just, it's really hard to be courageous i think we uh those of us who do a lot of the discipling need to be praying mm-hmm. um, to have eyes to see those who might need something, some help along the way. And then for those who may feel like the little wallflower who gets lost, mm-hmm. I might just do the courageous thing and ask and just say, if you're not available, do you have recommendations of yes. other women that I could reach out to or partner with? Mm-hmm. And I think this understanding that Titus 2 model that we talk a lot about of older women teaching younger women, I think is is very helpful. But I think we also have to make sure we understand what older means in that. It's a, it's right. Sometimes it's just further along in the faith. And mm-hmm. so sometimes like I, I'm meeting with somebody and I'm quote unquote discipling them, if you want to you know, use that term there. But I am so edified in the times that I'm talking to them and they're much yes. younger in the faith, but their vivacity mm-hmm. um, in the scriptures spurs me on. So I think that's what... I, I don't want those women who are seeking discipling to think that they don't have anything to offer. And I would Ooh, also yes. say one other thing, when you finish up your time of discipling, if it's a more formalized discipling time and someone's praying for you, pray for them too. I think it's a mm-hmm. wonderful skill set to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I just love when I watch that happen in discipling relationships. It literally just happened yesterday. The oh, yeah. gal I was meeting with turned around and I tried to lift up from prayer and she goes, wait, it's my turn to pray for you. And I thought, there it goes. I love to watch mm-hmm. it just be replicated there. So yeah. That's- you also mentioned about how, I mean, you talked about this a little bit about how the church is the gospel on display. Um, but in your book, you said that if you care about the gospel, you should care about the church. Um, so, and I, I, it made me think of it a little bit about a lot of people will say like, I love Jesus, but I hate the church, which are strong words. So, I mean, what would be, and I mean, the most, the most charitable interpretation of sort of that slogan, right. Would be, well, the church has all these problems, but I love Jesus. So I just don't want anything to do with that. What would be sort of your answer to that? Um, regarding, I mean, because we're talking about the church is important, obviously. So what's sort of the response to that sort of catchy perspective? I think that there are people who've been terribly hurt by churches along the way. And so I think we're, we'd be remiss not to et- acknowledge mm-hmm. that there have been really horrible situations that people have experienced. Mm-hmm. And so when they say, I love Jesus and not his church, it's because they have experienced uh, a false version of what Jesus intended his church to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the church is the bride of Christ. We, we know that because it, 
the scriptures tell us that that's, and it's the image that we get from the very, very beginning. So that's what's Mm -hmm. so beautiful. When you think about the biblical theology of the church, it starts in the garden with a marriage and it ends with the wedding feast of the lamb in Revelation with a marriage. I mean, this is the wedding supper and the whole thing is the consummation of of the, the Lord with his people. He comes to take his people home. And so if we are not a part of the people, then we're saying, it's like you're, you, when you say you don't love, you love Jesus, but not his church, it's like telling my husband, you know, I like your family, but I hate your wife. You're like, okay, well, that doesn't really work here, does it? Right. I think they, they, it does, you can't have both of those things. Um, it may mean that whoever, whenever anybody says something of that nature to me in that vein, I usually ask a lot of questions because I'm like, mm-hmm. there's something underneath it. And mm-hmm. so rather than say, well, when you say it like that, it's like telling you that you hate my husband. I'm like, that's <laughs> not going to help somebody like that. Right. So I would encourage if you ever in that situation, say, I'd love to know why you feel that way. Like what, mm-hmm. what, what is your, what has been your experience with church? Mm-hmm. And say, would you could, and then you could invite them in conversation. I'd love to tell you what God has given us as a picture of what the church is supposed to be and should mm-hmm. be and just acknowledging the hard that they've experienced but not letting that hard be an excuse because what has mm-hmm. happened most recently is all this deconstruction of like okay right. I'm piecing out and walking away and it's like mm-hmm. yeah that's really not an option that God gives us in his word mm-hmm. um, it, it may mean that there's some things that need to be hammered out here and worked through and you may need some help but it doesn't mean you just walk away Mm-hmm. Um, because there's there the the Bible does not have a category for a solo Christian. It just mm-hmm. doesn't. It ha- it only has a category for a Christian in a congregation. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's because it's it's a people. It's a we. Right. Like we said, not the me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So kind of in that same vein, what would you, I can imagine there may be some listening to this who, who are thinking, well, that all, that vision and that picture for the church sounds wonderful, but I cannot find that. Like, where do, mm-hmm. how do I get that? You know, I, they, maybe yeah. they've never experienced it. They've gone to many different churches. So how, what would you say to someone like that? That's discouraged. They, they want that, but they don't feel like they can find it where they are. That's why I'm thankful for organizations like Nine Marks who have all these resources for building healthy churches. And um, so if you're unfamiliar with them, they do have a church search on their website, which can direct you. It's not a, it's not, it's not vetted all the way. So you may end up with something that you go to and you're like, this really doesn't seem to line up with those Nine Marks, uh, but it'll at least lead you in a direction, you know, mm-hmm. to, of, of resources. But then there are places where you're going to, there are a dearth of healthy churches. So what do yeah. you do? And I think that's mm-hmm. more of what you're asking. Jenna. And Mm -hmm. I think it's not uncommon for people to ask my husband or me that, and people move. And this is why we try to always tell congregants, like, if you're going to move for a job, please check the church thing first, because it's, Mm -hmm. it's, your job is going to be so secondary to this as a Christian, because you need this in order to thrive, um, in, in life for the Mm -hmm. Lord. And so we have those conversations and sometimes people, choose not to pay attention to that or heed that advice. And then they get themselves in a pickle because Mm -hmm. there isn't. So what do you do then? Again, I would say then you're going to pray and then you're going to find the healthiest church that you can. And you're going to invest yourself in that body and be maybe an agent of change in that place. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard work, but it can be done. Mm -hmm. I have many friends that are in that situation for whatever reason. Um, It could have been that the 
the uh, the healthy church died out or something like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're like, okay, what do we do now that we're already here? Our life is here, our, our right. investment here. Yeah. Then you're going to turn and invest in that body as best you yeah. can and pray like crazy mm-hmm. um, for the Lord to bring bring other people along to help serve mm-hmm. alongside you. Yeah, that's, yeah. And I, I was literally having a conversation last week with someone that is, that, you know, maybe moving and we've seen good examples of this and, and maybe examples where people don't consider the church as much as they should. And, you know, the same exact thing, like, I think our culture has so conditioned us to just focus on our job and the best job we can get, the most money we can get. And, and I'm not trying to say that's unimportant, but that we, we often don't factor in the church, even though we, we love the church and we, we just don't factor that into our decision-making. And, and so I, I think that's such a good word for people that are in that situation too, like, or are encouraging friends in that situation that really make this mm-hmm. one of the top priorities that when you're considering yeah. a job, consider the church right, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. more importantly than that. and Yeah, and that goes back to what we were saying earlier about the church should be central. It's not this secondary thing. Yeah. This, is, mm-hmm. this is first stop, mm-hmm. and then everything else is right. fed from that, really. Mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. you're doing, it, like you were saying, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're if you're not thinking of this as your primary, mm-hmm. the, the first questions you should be asking. Mm-hmm. I feel like the um, as we're talking about this, all of us sort of the are assuming membership, um, and there might be some of our listeners who maybe Maybe they've never heard of church membership or they grew up where I grew up and that was like just not a thing. Um, so what would you, I mean, you in your, in your book, I think make a great point for membership and why it's biblical, but what would, how would you sort of, you're like quick, here's why it matters. Here's what it is. What would you say? And I'll just add to that really quick. Like I've had many conversations with people who are like, it's not in the Bible. The word membership isn't in the Bible. So that's, that's not a thing in the Bible. So yeah, that's, I think, a common thought too. I just want to ask them how in the world they're going to do any of the one another's if there's no Mm. other. That's the first place I start. I mean, everything in scripture is like, how do you show hospitality if it's just you and Jesus? I'm like, you can show hospitality to your neighbors, but the directive there is within the body of believers. It's with other Christians. That doesn't mean we're not hospitable to non-Christians. We're supposed to open up our homes. But all of those uh, commands that we are given are, are plural, and all of the illustrations that are used are plural. So there is this idea that like we have to be together. So does that then mean that we have to have membership? No. I mean, I could see how someone would argue, well, I can be among them, like mm-hmm. you were talking about earlier, but I don't have to be uh, a member. Well, some of these churches that your our friends might be a part of may not even have membership, like you were talking about, right. Lydia. So then I would say to them, commit yourself. You need to be known, and you need to be known, and you need to know other people. And that is how that discipling happens. That's how discipleship happens. And that's how you grow. How can the elders elder the flock among them if they Mm -hmm. don't even know who the sheep are? So how do you even get that? That I think it's, it's almost a given that there is this understanding. And then in Acts, um, they're in two different spots. It talks about them giving a number. How would they have had a number Mm -hmm. if there was not membership? So this idea of commitment is, and also when we think about how the Lord's Supper is conducted. Um, It's for the body of believers. So as we look out among, we know that, yes, we're vouching for each other. We're saying, yes, you are one of us, and we are committed to helping one another on this road to heaven. And so we're going to partake of this Lord's Supper um, until he comes again. 
right? Mm-hmm. And that all of those things, they, they're not explicit. This is true, mm-hmm. Jenna, and that right. can be hard, but I think it's directly implied over and over and over again, um, yeah. particularly in the, well, and you look at all the, um, the letters from Paul to churches, mm-hmm. they are to churches. So there had to have been people, not just randos coming in and out, you know, whatever, <laughs> just like, I'm going to go try this. I'm going to go try the church at Corinth today. And then I'm going to go try it out in Philippi. Now I recognize right. those are long distances, but you know, you have the people who are just kind of coming in and out at random times. It's like, how in the world can we get to know them or be, right. do spiritual good for them if they're not committed and among mm-hmm. us? Yeah. So, and of course, church membership, would be the the preference, but I I do want to say on a podcast like this that some places don't have membership right. at least y- not yet even, um, and it's just the idea of being deeply committed to that mm. local body where you right. are. Yeah, That's yeah, great. and I think too it's I mean there's like think of the Trinity for instance there's there's like Orthodox like the Trinity yeah. is an Orthodox core to our faith belief that that word isn't used in the Bible and but the kind of the same idea the idea is clearly implied throughout, throughout scripture. And, um, it's just, it's sort of a, uh, it's a way of putting a framework on something that, that is in scripture. So kind of likewise with, with membership and membership is in some ways, I guess, a, um, a pragmatic way of applying. I mean, pragmatic has negative connotations, but I just mean like, it's a, they they must've had some type of accounting in those church in Paul's churches. And maybe, maybe it was, or was not membership, but there was some way of getting at the same idea that we're talking about. So in modern day, we use membership to do that. Mm -hmm. So, well, and um, it wasn't as transient as it is now too. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. That also gives it where there wasn't, it wouldn't necessarily, it wouldn't necessitate needing, that same kind of call in the, right. like mm-hmm. we would now. Right. Great point. Yeah. So just changing lanes a little bit, but you talk about the importance of expositional preaching and you define, you give a helpful definition. You say that expositional preaching is preaching where the main point of the passage is the main point of the message applied to the hearts of the hearer. Mm-hmm. So why is it so important? Like why should people want expositional preaching. Certainly not all preaching is expositional. A lot of it isn't. So why should that be something they, they value and look for? Expositional preaching should be the main diet of every church, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a place for a topical sermon series to come in or something Mm -hmm. like that, but that should be the exception, not the norm is how Mm -hmm. I would, I would define that. And I think that's because man doesn't live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we, that is our, we live and die with the words of God. I mean, that's how we move forward. So that if we are not being fed that we're only going to grow to the, the height that that pastor or preacher has equipment because it's mm-hmm. just, that's however he is, that's as far as we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And we do, and that's, we're going to be malnourished because we're not having to think about the deep things mm-hmm. that are sometimes really hard to hear. Mm-hmm. And sometimes can feel a little esoteric. I mean, when Brad told me he was taken on numbers, I'm like, yes, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> like, you know, these are those times you're like, okay, this is going to be really fun. And it is because mm-hmm. when he sits in that and he meditates on that passage all week long and the rest of us, you know, we, we try to encourage our church to be reading the passage for Sunday so they're prepared in mm-hmm. their hearts to hear it. But, you know, when you're reading lists of names and accounting mm-hmm. of names, that can be really challenging, you know, mm-hmm. but 
I, I loved even this week, my husband got a, a text message from one of our older members and said, I just finished reading the passage and I'm just wondering what in the world you're going to do with it. And then he <laughs> preaches this, this, you know, this expositional sermon, this sermon, and it's like, oh, wow, look what was there. And you just, you get surprised, but you're surprised by God's word. You're not surprised by some man's idea. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, great, yeah. I don't know about you, but I want to learn more about who God is, not about what mm-hmm. some guy just was thinking about this last mm-hmm. week. It, no matter how much I like him. Even my husband, I wouldn't like that. I want him to point me towards the things of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we see that when um, when the word is opened, that is th- that's how people are saved. How can man hear? How can they hear unless they've been, you know, sent? And then what are they, how are they saved then but by the word of God? Mm-hmm. So it's that preached word that is necessary mm-hmm. for salvation. Yeah. And yeah, I think it does right. help too. You kind of alluded to this, but it, it helps... It that if a pastor is preaching expositionally, he has to preach what like he can't exclude the things that he doesn't want to talk about. Like you're like you're saying, oh, like yeah. I once attended a church and they preached through Romans one through eight and then skipped Romans nine and then did like ten through oh, the rest wow. of it. And yeah. obviously that's not an example of expositional preaching, but <laughs> it, that's just I'm kind of just you know showing it that that that's like we can't avoid certain parts of scripture that we don't want to talk mm-hmm. about. And expositional mm-hmm. preaching helps guard against that. Yeah. I mean, that's Brad had, when he was preaching through Samuel, I mean, he was going through the suicide of Saul. I mean, that's, that's some hard stuff that's in there. Mm-hmm. That, those yeah. are really hard things. Um, especially if you've got, uh, in, you know, a mixed congregation with a lot of people in it somewhere in, in that congregation has been touched by suicide. Yeah. You got to be really careful walking through that mm. and gentle and pastoral, but what a wonderful thing then just, we're mm. going to have suicide Sunday where we're going to talk about the, like we're going to talk about it because this mm-hmm. is what the scriptures are saying. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. yeah, absolutely. Um, as you're talking about just the pastor and you've mentioned overseers and elders a few times and just in, um, in your, in your book, you made just the, the point that there's, it's an importance for godly, qualified elders um and you wrote about just we how we as a culture just have sort of uh, like suspicion towards authority um Mm -hmm. I think most people when they hear the word authority probably flinch a little bit and we just I our our culture just makes it out as though all authority is bad um so how I mean how would you sort of explain to someone that the the elder and overseer are qualified godly man who is this elder, why is his authority a good thing? Why is that something that we should ultimately thank the Lord for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the word submission is, I feel like, become a curse word almost yeah. these days. Um, and not just husbands and wives, and we we're thinking about that, that wives are to submit to their husbands, but even that we as a congregation are to submit mm-hmm. to our elders. I mean, that is the word that's used. And yep. so what does that look like and and why is that? And what you and what we see when we look at the way God designed the church is it's a picture too of of us coming under God's authority. You've got people in authority that are under shepherds of the great shepherd. <clears throat> Additionally, when we think about who Jesus was, he was a person of the Trinity. He is God himself, and yet he submitted himself to the will of his Father. So we mm-hmm. see that perfect submission to authority there. And we are called to follow in Christ's footsteps, to take up our cross every day and follow him. And some of that means to sit under somebody else's authority. Um, And we're all under authority of some kind, but it's the idea of, are we willing to submit to a godly authority that God's put over us? Mm -hmm. Does church abuse happen where where elders 
uh, abuse people. Yes, of course that we know that to be true, but just mm-hmm. in the same way that there are husbands who abuse wives, that doesn't mean that all husbands are bad. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that all elders are bad. There are some horrible things that are out there. I would be totally remiss to say that that's not true, but mm-hmm. that doesn't give us the excuse to say, then I'm not going to submit to anybody. It's kind of like saying that I'm just never going to get married because you can't trust anybody. There's mm-hmm. something more going on mm-hmm. there. But I think Satan loves to undermine authority figures because they're pictures and representations to us of how God is to love us and shepherd mm-hmm. us. And mm-hmm. we don't like that. We don't like to be told what to do. We want to be autonomous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very thing in the garden. All these other things you can have don't touch the tree, those, that tree, you know? And she's like, did he really say that to you, to Eve? And she's like, maybe not. (laughs) It's like, no, she didn't want to be told no. I mean, Mm -hmm. every kid, if you've been a mom and you've watched a child, the first time they start to understand that word, no, Mm -hmm. they're like, "Mm, maybe yes. (laughs) When they look at you and you're like, no, are you kidding me? You Mm -hmm. know the consequences. But yet, so there, I think we just are carrying on these, um, these worldly concepts, I think, that mm-hmm. get infiltrated into the church. And we start to think with a worldly mindset and not a godly mindset, which mm-hmm. is why, going back to the last question you just asked, this is why expositional preaching is so important. It's why our own devotional time in the Word has to be central to our lives. Mm-hmm. We need to be taught and we need to be uh, trained by God's words so mm-hmm. that we know and we can spy when it's a wolf and not a sheep. Mm-hmm right? Mm-hmm. If there's yeah. a shepherd over us that is more a wolf, then we, we'll be able to know when it's there. Mm-hmm. And we won't be alone if we're in a church body of other believers to help us, you know, but we're, what you know, a sheep on its own is what? Dinner, lunch, <sighs> somebody else's dinner or lunch, right? But if you're all together, there's protection and numbers there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we could probably keep talking about this for a long time, but um, we're running out of time. But we would love to hear, we love talking about books on the podcast. So we would love to hear some books that maybe you're either currently reading or have read recently and, and just found edifying or just enjoyed. The, uh, well, on the, on the topic of church, you know, the Nine Marks little series that you were talking about earlier. Yes, you know, yeah. these, these are great. They um, yes. Building Healthy Churches, that small thing. Uh, Colin Hansen, Jonathan Lehman's book, Rediscover Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It was an excellent resource, especially for people who are just feeling like, I don't want to go back. Like, this yes. isn't for me. That mm-hmm. is, it's very well written and mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's a fun read too. There's also a tiny one that um, Christian Focus Publishing put out, Who Needs the Tur- Church by Terry Johnson. I really recommend this one too. I love this one. That was a good read. But as far as my own personal edification, I have all, I always have stuff going. So I'm like, Oh, which one do I tell you about? It's so You can tell us about multiple. It's okay. I know. Okay. Okay. Uh, Rebecca McLaughlin's new book that just came out, Jesus through the eyes of women. Oh, I loved it. I thought, and it was, it was really well written. I liked it. Yeah. Um, And it was just intriguing to think about Mm -hmm. Jesus as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a strong complementarian, I was just super encouraged by how mm-hmm. Jesus demonstrated love for his sisters like that. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, Amy G- Gannett, or it's, I think it's Gannett, um, Fix Your Eyes. It's is really good. This is a systematic theology that was done, um, but it's, again, it's like for women, by, by a woman, for women. I mean, again, mm-hmm. men can read it, but it's, that's an excellent, short, quick, little 
systematic. But um, I'm really excited about uh, Michael Reeves' book, Delighting in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Have you read? This I've heard. One I yet? haven't yet, I but it's on my it. list. I've heard good things. This yeah. one. This one is so good. Okay. And then yeah. together, if you read it together with Paul Miller's um, The J Curve, so these are so okay. great. Um, okay. Thinking about um, all all these these things about who who we are in Christ and what mm-hmm. that means for us to be indwelt with the Spirit. So lots of fun. Wonderful. That's yeah. Great. yeah. Yeah. You just added a bunch of books to my list. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> my ever growing. I, I grabbed them all and put them there. I'm like, I don't know. There's so many I love. I right know. Now. It's hard to I just wish I had more time to read. Yes, same. Um, are there any ways that our listeners can keep up with you? Do you have any new books coming mm-hmm. out or um, what are some things they can look for you? I've got a, yeah, we've got a couple of um, writing projects coming out here in just a little bit, a little booklet for Nine Marks, and um, we're going to be, uh, Carrie and I and Jenny, I think, might be working on a, on one together, um, a little Wonderful. bit more on women, how women thrive in the local church. Um, we're still working, parsing that out, so that's really exciting. But yeah. we also, the three of us, so Jenny Manley, uh, Carrie Fulmer, and myself are doing a podcast with Nine Marks hmm. called Priscilla oh, Talk cool. that's going to be out in the fall. And so I'm really Wonderful. excited about that. Oh, so yeah, it's that's and, and our focus. Yes. We're really excited about it. It's uh, focusing on, um, how women thrive in the local church. So it's it's oh, getting women focusing on women in churches and how we can delight in doctrine and how that mm-hmm. that helps us to flourish as Christian women. So I'm really excited about that too. And we do also have a website um, called The Good Portion. So you can look this up there for yeah. our books and a little bit more on our author bios. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Erin. It was so helpful and encouraging to talk to you. And we do encourage that you check out her book and read it, go through it with someone. And also, as she mentioned, The Good Portion has several other books. So they've got a book on scripture, God, Christ, salvation. And then I think there's more coming out. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Five more to come. Five are out, five more to come. Okay. So yeah, be on the lookout for those. But these are great resources to to use if someone has questions or or to to go through with someone um, or just read yourself, of course. But uh, but yeah, we do recommend recommend your book. And uh, and yeah, so thank you so much for joining us, Erin. We really enjoyed talking with you today. Thank you. It's such fun to talk to you ladies as well. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like access to more resources, we have a website at allthingspodcast.org. We hope that you'll join us for our next episode.